This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, the Clarets rescue a last gasp equaliser at home to Watford and look ahead to an away tie at Luton in another tricky fixture, just one more step in their charge towards the Premier League. This is the Known and Ever podcast. So let us jump straight into this and analyse that heart-stopping last gasp equaliser at home to Watford, which preserved the Clarets' unbeaten record at home and the unbeaten run and saved us the embarrassment of um, conceding to a very silly goal. Um, Rich, I'm going to start with you first. Let's let's have a look at this. I think, I think the general feeling from everybody is that Tuesday night was overall a bit of an off day. Do you share that? Yes and no. Do you know what though? It, it's and 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 this isn't actually negative to Burnley. It was the first time I left the game, and I, and I didn't really over enjoy the game. Yeah. Um, I mentioned on the last pod uh, that I coached with, with 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 the referee a little bit. Oh my um, god! That, that was a long time. You know, it was it was a while ago, and and yeah, I've got to be honest. I felt the referee. And and, and I don't necessarily blame Watford because I'm not crying wolf that Watford were, were going down in time wasting and all this because we, we we did it in the Premier League and I thought Watford were very effective. I think all in all, just the mistake, the referee blowing for... It seemed like every little niggly foul. And then because Watford, you know, were going down a little bit and they knew they was getting away with it, it just made the game so stop-start. And I tried, you know, you try not get frustrated in that situation, but it was just a very frustrating and and it and it's and it's not that we didn't win or we didn't win three 0 or whatever like that. It was just I didn't actually enjoy the game because of our stop start mm. and it didn't feel like a game of football to me, like we've been used to. It just felt like yeah, you know, yeah, and you know, it's been spoiled and, and you a little bit, haven't we? Yeah, it did spoil, it. and you do look back and you understand why. Some of the bigger teams will get frustrated playing against Burnley. But Watford did what they had to do. They knew that they had to disrupt the flow. They had to make it disjointed to try and get anything um, from the game. And I thought they did that really well. I thought they had a good shape. I thought they defended the penalty area really well. I think Wesley Hoots are signing. 
who, who's mm. coming. I think company managed him at Anderlecht and, you know, really strong centre-half, but he, would, uh, he had a really good game. Uh, but then you watch the highlights back and, yeah, they only had a shot on target and, you know, and we had, you know, you know, in, in, a, in a parallel world, if Gunmanson takes that one down and puts it in after a minute, it, it could be 2 or 3 nil. and out of anybody on that pitch who's a lovely footballer, technically, you'd have thought he'd have, he's one who'd have been able to bring that down and, even the goalie's made a good save and bounds his follow-up. So it's not for me that, yes, yeah, you want to keep winning. It was just, I just don't think it was an, an enjoyable evening to watch a game of football. It, it just felt like that and the crowd was in and out. And Sorry, sorry, because I am talking. This is my last point. I think there was a run of corners when and Barnes was going down. That centre-half was going down. Then the Ek down. Oh, yeah. Like, Albertia went down. And, the, and I counted, God's ball sake. was in play yeah. for about one minute of five and then, only six was added on. And I, at that point, I was just like, oh, this is just, it got a little bit turgid for me. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. And I think a lot of us have been spoilt recently by just fast flowing and beautiful football that's enjoyable to watch. But like you say, like we did in the Premier League for a lot of years, championship sides that have got any sort of um, creative ability in them will find a way uh, to get something out of a game and Watford knew that they had to disrupt that um, Adam, dialing that back though starting at the beginning of the game it wasn't like that I don't think for probably the first 20 minutes of the game I felt that the Clarets came out all guns blazing and there was a there was a bit of a I don't know if aggression's the right word but in the first 20 minutes we were very direct, very quick I, did, I thought Watford were going to tire themselves out immediately and there was like a and a nastiness to the not I can't think of the right word. It's not an aggression. It's like a there was something about them where they were like, "This is our an edge. Gun. An yeah. edge, yeah. I think an edge is probably right. And actually, which we'll 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 start looking at this. The goal that we conceded completely and utterly neutralised that, and we never really recovered from that for the rest of the game. But I thought those first twenty minutes. Did, did you think that it was a controlled edge, or did you think it was slightly out of control? Because I know I. I was a bit concerned with the way we were playing. It did feel like we weren't completely in control. Um, no, I think the first two thirds of the pitch in that opening period of the game, I thought we were excellent, and um, and it was just the the front four didn't have, as Rich has already touched mm. upon, just didn't seem to just they're just slightly off it. Zaruri Teller, JBG, and Barnes. I just thought. We got into good positions. I think Teller had one where he took a, a heavy touch when he were in a good position as well in the first half. JBG is obviously in the in the first minute, and we just—I never thought we had that cutting edge, and we didn't really um, look our usual selves in that in that final third, uh, which is is understandable. You're gonna you're gonna have like off off periods, and you're not gonna be you're not gonna be ten out of ten every. Every week, um, but I thought until yeah, like you said, until probably five minutes before Watford scored, I thought I thought we were excellent. You could yeah. start feeling them maybe getting getting some sort of foothold, and we started making more mistakes. Um, and then yeah, the goal just played straight into their hands, and and their physicality. I thought they showed it at Vicarage Road as well. Uh, Benson got kicked out of that game by by that. Kamara um, left back who 
signed for Udinese for 15 million in January and then got loaned straight back to Watford, but we'll uh, probably sweep that under the carpet for another day. But um, <laughs> anyway, and he, he was just as aggressive. And I thought that they showed a physicality throughout and didn't yeah. fade like other teams have, have done. Um, yeah, I thought their game plan... Um, going one goal up worked worked extremely well, and and like Rich said, the second half just didn't get going, and I don't think they were as obvious with the time wasting as like Rotherham, who just had players dropping like flies all over the pitch, and and just you felt like they were taking the Mickey Watford. They were clever with it, um, and we like Rich said, we played a part in some of that with the like the way we yeah were, like throwing ourselves to the ground at corners. Um, I don't, I don't think we helped ourselves and we got very frustrated. Yeah, a very bitter game and a very, yeah, just not a, not a, not a great, not one for the purists anyway. Um, Rich, we're going to have to do it. We're going to have to rip off the band-aid and we're going to have to look at this. Murich looked off from the start. A lot of people saying he didn't quite look right in the warm-up. Um, a few passes in the early stages of the game weren't quite landing the way that they have been doing recently. Still drifting into his preferred centre midfield role, um, but just wasn't quite on it like he was at Preston. We've since learned in his press conference today that he was ill, he was sick, and hadn't told the club that he was sick. Um, he hadn't told them before and just thought he could soldier on and thought he'd be all right, wanted to play. Um, VK clearly not massively keen on not being told that he wasn't okay because that's potentially cost us three two points. Um, irrespective of all of that, there's not really getting away from the fact that that was quite a howler for the goal. That said, I want us to look. I don't think we need to dwell on on the mistake that Muich himself made because there's no point piling on with the guy. We all saw it. But what I do want to look at is whether or not the defence have really contributed to that and hung him out a little bit because I don't think any of them cover themselves in glory really um, you know I've been a big defender of Murich on Twitter and even at the stadium um, myself when, when people are groaning around me there's been quite a few occasions I've said to people get behind him yeah listen you, you can't but taking that incident it's just, it's just Murich's fault he's 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 come out I, I don't have, have any grievances with him coming out but when he's come out He's obviously, I don't know what decision he's made. Yeah. Maybe he thought he could catch it and he's realised he's outside the box. And listen, if he's more clinical in that position, he just heads it away from goal and it's and, and, and it's a job done. So, no, you can't blame any the defence for that. It, it is Mewich's fault. Okay. Simple as that. But it's been a while since he had made a mistake like that. And I think the last, you know, month or so, he made, there was one at Swansea where he palmed out a little bit. I remember at Stoke he come out. But overall, recently, he has been more yeah, assured. Yes. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I know Peacock Farrell played well in the um, Norwich game. Was there another game Peacock Farrell played? I can't remember. But uh, definitely Norwich. But, like, there was even games where we won by one goal. And I thought Mewich looked really assured, you know, quite assured in, in those games. And, you know, in... in you know, and and he's a lot more comfortable. But like you said, Natalie, you could tell he wasn't quite mm. at it. Even his kicking was off, and I thought, oh, that that's weird because that's obviously the part of his game. That's just his bread and butter. And you know, company said he was ill at half time. People were like, no, he wasn't ill. He took him off for tactical reasons. I didn't believe that for one second. You don't take your goalie off just because you no. make a mistake. It, it happens. And but I'm not a believer of scapegoats. I never have been. I've always been one who, if somebody's not playing well, call him out. And then if they play well, 
say you say he's played well the next game or you know like we've done in Barnes you know he wasn't playing well and now he's playing well so you're giving credit for but I do think people do like to get on Muric's back more and but at the same time I'm quite understanding that you want your goalie to be a goalie uh, yeah. you know I know I know Tom's kind of more so that that way than us uh, maybe more where we can like the way I look at it the lad's made a mistake just get on with it you know what I mean it's just some some of the stuff is just a bit it's a bit hyperbolic for me. Yeah, no, I I, I do get that, and I, I certainly I'm not prepared to, to throw the guy under the bus. I think there's going. I think I take the benefits of Murich's play and what he brings to the team a thousand times before I'll criticise him for the mistakes and the risk that 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 comes with it. So fingers crossed, he's over his illness and he'll be back to show um against Luton at the weekend and to get back between the states. I think we desperately need that. Um, Adam, not long after the goal was conceded, we were hit with a double blow just as we were reeling from the, the shock of going one down and the crowd got very flat and everything felt a little bit... Um, Jordan Bayer went down with what looked like his left hamstring. Um, I'm praying to God that there is an alternative universe where he was taken off as a precaution and it's fine. But if it isn't, and we're looking at six weeks without him and Taylor Harwood-Bellis, how much of a loss is that and what does this do to our defensive options? Well, uh, I think he's come out today and said it's quite a positive outlook. Oh, is it? I haven't seen that. Excellent. It should only should only be a short term thing, which probably does mean a couple of weeks of a job. But um, time will tell, I suppose. I think I'd have been a at the time. You just it did just feel like it were going to be one of those nights because mm-hmm. he'd started particularly brightly, made a run all the way up the pitch for the ball, got into the box, and then we just decided not to cross it properly, which were quite frustrating. Frustrating, but yeah. He, he's really, he's been excellent. He's got better and better as the season's gone on. And even since Howard Bellis has gone out of the team, which worried me a bit, and I've all, of it, all those worries have been allayed quite quickly, to be honest, I think he's got even better. Um, so it is a big blow to lose him for, for any period. And it now obviously justifies... Uh, bringing in Ekdal and Nalda Keel mm. in, in January. Uh, again, at the time, I thought we're a, a bit heavy now at, at centre-half with those two coming in and obviously both Pedigree and Taylor <laughs> and uh, loaning out McNally. And, uh, but as with most things this season, companies... Um, Nailed it. it. On. But yeah. it didn't it didn't feel as big a blow with, with Alder Keel coming on. I thought they were, we were yeah, solid. How, so how them. did you like those two? Are you happy with them? Together, well, on a very very small um, sample size, yeah, I thought they were they were both. Uh, both that really sounds incredible, right? Yeah, he, he really looks assured. I think Rich touched touched on it last week. Sweden international. I don't know where we've plucked him from. I've not not heard of him, but you look at his pedigree and you think how how have we managed to get him? And it, it's a real coup. So um, and he slotted in so well. Again, very short period of time, but. Um, I think I can't remember who said it last week. It, it looks like he's been in a Burnley shirt for a long time. He, he really does look look a player. So obviously it leaves us a bit thin. Just Taylor as cover. Um, if we were to pick up any any other injuries or suspensions, so you want uh, Howell, Bellis, and Bayer back as quickly as possible. But saying that, do I think um, they'll let us down at the weekend and going forward? No, not by what I've seen so far. Good, excellent. Um. Well, we did manage to rescue a point, Rich, um, before we move on to look at the Luton game. Um, I, I'll i be honest, I didn't think it was coming this time. I know we talk a lot about this team never 
stopping and not writing them off and, and blowing, you know, sorry, they're playing till the final whistle's blown. I, I didn't see this coming out of anywhere. And in the end, it was a combination of Foster and Obafemi who um, hadn't really found their groove in the game in a very <coughs> disjointed game who managed to get us that point. Pretty delighted for him and he looked chuffed to bits. Yeah, I think this was probably the first time they did this season, again, to what I alluded to before, we talk about the disjointed nature of the game. When he got to like 80-ish, 80 minutes or so, where uh, I did kind of say to my dad, I, I think this is going to be the one we're not going to score in. Yeah. Um, I thought Benson was actually a big loss on Tuesday. We've not really missed him. But I think oh, they were playing... Yeah. Because I think Watford were playing so deep and defending the box so well. Um, I think his pace to actually run in behind and, and beat the... You know, I thought the two Watford fullbacks were very good, actually. Gaspar and uh, Kamara, you know, I know... I know, Adam, you said he was aggressive. I don't mind that from a fullback. Perfectly happy. I don't think either of them did anything that was over-aggressive. I thought they played, you know, so that was fine. And I thought Gaspar was the best fullback I've seen uh, defend against Zaruri this season. Um, but, yeah, you know, delighted. I, I actually personally thought Foster played a little bit better when he came on. I thought he held the ball, you know, he's um, he protected the ball a little bit yeah. better. Seemed a little bit more physical. It's hard to judge Obafemi because they're playing him out wide and he's not a winger. No, he's not. But, you know, like you said, Foster probably should have scored. Um, you know, but, yeah, obviously Obafemi's there. And like you said, you know, this is this team. It would have been easy to go. It's not our day. We've won a lot recently. It is what it is. Let's move on. But we don't. We keep going, keep going and keep going and we keep plugging away. And, yeah, you know, it's just a great point. It's never, you know, you want to win, but it's never, you hate losing, I hate losing. You know, so to keep that, unbeaten record going at, at the turf and I think we've won 10 championship games in a row knowing that you can concede a goal out the blue and then Bayer goes off injured and you know you get other injuries that's what makes it so hard in football to win 10 games in a row and when you yeah, look back at true. it it's something you should be incredibly proud of because anything can happen in a football match that can tra transpire against you and you know there was one where Teller you know should have buried it he's kind of not got enough of a foot on it and you're probably looking at it if that goes in. There's about twenty odd minutes to go. We probably win the game then. Yeah, you know that 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 momentum. But yeah, you know, listen, it, it was a weird night at the turf. It wasn't. Um, again, I just want to reiterate, I didn't not enjoy the game because of anything Burnley did. I just didn't think it was a good spectacle to watch. And you get yeah, that in football sometimes, don't don't yeah. you? Um, but yeah, like I said, it's just great. Keep that momentum going. And like I said, I'm really, I'm you know, I'm going to Luton on 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 Saturday. It's a new ground for me. I've not been there before, so. Yeah, very much looking forward, uh, you know, to the trip away this weekend. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a shame that we didn't manage to secure that little bit of history and get the 11 games. But you know what? There's 15 games left. We'll just win the rest of them now to the end of the season and we'll get the, get it that way. Uh, but it was 28 consecutive games that the Clouts have scored. So it was a new club record that had, had been something like 1936, I think it was, that's been in place. So it's still a team that is breaking records this season and I do expect that we'll do more. Um, I... I still think that Clarets have um, secured promotion. I can't see us dropping out of the top two. The gap's just ridiculous. But before we come on to this Luton game, um, an interesting result last night, Adam, at Middlesbrough. Sheffield United falling to a defeat, which means that the, that the Clarets have now extended their run from second place to eight points. But they are only 15 points away from third. Now, some, some Clarets are doing peak Burnley fans and suggesting that Middlesbrough can somehow blow back that 15 
point gap, which means, but I, you know, I barely have to lose seven in a row and they have to lose, they have to win eight in a row and we have to draw the, the eighth, I think. But it's just not going to happen. You know, people, into context, Middlesbrough may overtake Sheffield United, but I, I, we're pretty much up here now, right? You'd think so. I think I've, um, you can't help but uh, look at it on with a slightly pessimistic slant when when it's you who's at the front runner you're like always looking over your shoulder but I think like it's you a said a long way behind got, that shoulder yeah <laughs> I, I, I don't think we could lose last night obviously one of them were going to drop points and I think if you're Sheffield United now I don't think you're looking up at us you're looking over your shoulder yeah um and we're 15 points clear of Middlesbrough game in hand We've we're playing Luton, who, who are obviously a good side, and we'll come on to the preview uh, this weekend. They're up there. We we win there, then they they're pretty much got. But yeah, I can't see anything other than promotion. So that result the other night is just a step closer to to the title for me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Rich, you you keep going backwards and forwards on this one. Where's your head currently yeah. with the old promotion title everything? Listen, we are listen, we are promoted, aren't we? And and, and it's not me being like negative when I say. I would have probably still preferred Sheffield to win initially. What? I think that's just because I just want to get it done. Promotion, at the end of the day, promotion is the be all and end yeah, all. I get that. It's great to win a title, but prom- uh, you know, let's be honest. Say if we come bottom in the Prem next year and Sheffield United come 14th, no one's bothered who's won that title. In in a way, but that's yeah, you another are, season, though. We can only yeah, we can only that, do what we do this season. The way I'm looking at it is. Get that promotion done and then hit that title full running, like full on with no other distractions. With because say if Middlesbrough and Sheffield keep you are keeping closer to us, you, you kind of maybe you're not you, you just I don't know it's it's hard the way I'm trying to explain it. I think you just need to concentrate on just just for me it's just 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 get promoted as early as possible and then go hell for leather for that title. But no, you are right. You know, Sheffield United's got tough games coming up. I think the way I was looking at it as well, Fob, is that Middlesbrough's got few easy fixtures and Sheffield United's yeah. got tougher fixtures. So I'm like, if Sheffield United beat them, right, Middlesbrough are way out of it. They've got some easy games coming up and they expect Sheffield to drop some points in the next three or four games. Because I know it, it's still a lot, but like Middlesbrough's got QPR at home, who, who they'll beat. Say if we don't win, also it's 13 points and it's still a hell of a gap. But thirteen can become ten. Still seven Because we're a tough game. But Rich, like, we've lost that, two no, games all season. I and I don't think we will. I just want to get promotion wrapped up as soon as possible. That's all I'm thinking. Enjoy that party, get that done. It's like maybe maybe that's the way I, I am in my life. I just love getting stuff ticked off and then I can attack the next goal. Mm-hmm. So for so the way I think is promotion's the first goal, tick that title. I'm not kind of thinking of them two together at the moment. Maybe that's just no, my. I, that's not me being negative. That's just my outlook that I have on 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 life. Maybe just one goal, next goal. Next I'm one quite, next one. Yeah, that's maybe quite boring. I'm I'm quite driven by that type of process. So that's more my view than thinking we're not going to get promoted. That's just my outlook on it. Do that. Do no, that. Do, that. So I it's like promotion, title, hundred points record, and then go from there. Yeah. That's the kind of. I think I, I think that's actually a really logical way of looking at it, and I don't think I necessarily disagree at all. I think I think I I think I actually apply a similar logic to where I'm thinking. The difference between you and me at the moment is I've already ticked off the promotion. 
because I just cannot see. I can't see Middlesbrough catching us. I just, I just don't well, think. Well, you're looking at it another way. We're so far ahead, you know. Luton aren't going to catch us, you know. They've been in a good run, but then you look at who I all, when when we play teams and people go they're in a good run. I kind of look at who they play. So West Brom are in a good run, but they played a load of rubbish leading yeah. up to it. We're middles, but like we've got to have both Middlesbrough and Sheffield to catch us to drop out that top three. So we've got to have a team coming from eighteen and now a team coming from eight, and they're both it's not, not the both, and we were not going to digress so much and. Yeah, like, we've got two tough away games now against Luton and Millwall. This is what I'm like. I do like looking forward. And then we've got, like, Uddersfield, Wigan, Cardiff, Hull, Blackpool coming up, what do you think? Like, and I think what's well, been a really good run of form, and I put in our group chat, in the last four games we've played Norwich, West Brom, and Norwich, West Brom, and Watford the other night. We've got, and then obviously Preston as well, which is a derby. We've got 10 points from 12 games. From mm. tough games and exactly. people going like, like West Brom were the most informed team in the league, you know, and we had injuries. So, yeah. So. Yeah. No. Completely. Yeah. Completely agree. Well, I think that that wraps it up. I think uh, we all agree that Burnley are going to win promotion, then the title, then hundred points, then the record. So I think that's that's what I got from that conversation, right? <laughs> that's Maybe. where we're going from. I think we'll, I think we'll get under points. So the yeah, record. Six, seven points. But yeah, I do think we get 100. I think just because of the start of our season with them draws, Mike. Yeah, I agree. Hold us back a little bit. I do think we'll get 100. What are we on now? Sorry to kind of... 69. What a great number. What a great number to finish this section on, eh? (laughs) Let's move on. (laughs) There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And we are therefore looking ahead to the Clarets' next championship game, which is, of course, Luton Town away. It is Saturday, the 18th of February. It's a three o'clock kickoff. Um, before we get into the preview show, we are going to give you the real reveal from the last quiz question. Before the Watford game, Statman Dave asked you Can you name the only team to do the league double over Burnley in either of our two previous championship promotion seasons, 2013 to 14? Or twenty fifteen to sixteen, gentlemen. Did either of you know the answer to this? Uh, yeah, I did. I, I did. Yeah. Um, what, what was it? Mainly Middlesbrough. Um, I remember it most fondly because I, um, I go to most of the middle Middlesbrough games with a good friend of mine, Jake, and ah. he, he's a Middlesbrough fan, and he gives me no end of stick if they beat us. So them doing the double over us the year that we got promoted. Um, yeah, I remember it vividly. 
Lovely. As long as you tell me that is the answer. That is the answer. Yes, you're absolutely right. And we have three of our listeners submitted correct answers this week. Todd Claret from Twitter, Andy Richins and Andrew Blythe, good friend of the show. So congratulations to you lot. Who, um, who, who was the team who did the double of when we won the league? Because I couldn't find this. No, no, it's no it was a weird question. Yeah. Either season. It was the season. season. It was either season. It was a little bit Oh, season. that's why I got yeah. confused. We right, all got okay. confused. So, yeah, Statman Dave decided to throw us all off mm. completely off piste and yeah it was it was a difficult one he was asking for in either of those seasons somebody did only one team did a league double so it was almost he's kind of asking for the season and the team so effectively it was 2013-14 and it was Middlesbrough so there you go um we are going to hand over to Dave Roberts our resident statistician um who is going to bring us from the preview show studio the championship head-to-head 14 of the 24 seasons that Burnley have spent in the same division as Luton Town have been in the second tier, with six top-flight campaigns and a further four in the third tier. But it's the previous away matches in the second tier, 13 of them, which we'll be focusing on for this episode. We kick off with a 2-0 away defeat in March 1898, not at Kenilworth Road, but at a ground which was known as Dunstable Road, although it had also been known as Ivy Road prior to that. All of the remaining matches on our list were at Kenilworth Road, starting with another pair of away defeats in the late 1930s. In February 1938, Burnley lost 3-1, and that was followed by a narrow 1-0 defeat in February 1939, which was the last season prior to World War II. When football resumed again in 1946-47, our away trip to Luton was in mid-March 1947. But despite blizzard conditions, Burnley won 3-1. Harry Potts bagged a brace and Ray Harrison scored the other goal. Jumping forward to the 1970s, we had five second-tier away trips in that decade, but managed just one victory, which was by a 2-1 scoreline in December 1977 and was our first away win of that season. Brian Hall and Steve Kinden scored the Clarets' goals in that match. There was just one second-tier away match in the 1980s, and that was a 1-1 draw in March 1980. Bob Hatton scored the equaliser for the home side shortly after Billy Hamilton had put the visiting Clarets into the lead. All of the Clarets' last three away trips at this level have ended in victory. In September 1994, Liam Robinson scored the only goal of the game just before half-time to earn all three points for Burnley and then the remaining two wins were both since the turn of the millennium. We're going to keep our visit to Kenilworth Road from the 2005-06 season back for our memory match, which you'll hear about very shortly. But our most recent away trip at this level, or indeed in any competition, was a 2-0 win for Burnley in October 2006. The match was settled with two first-half goals from Andy Gray and there was no further score despite the dismissal of Burnley's Stephen Foster after picking up a second yellow card in the 73rd minute. Looking back, Burnley's overall away record against Luton Town at this level is played 13, won 5, drawn 2 and lost 6, with 16 goals for and 20 against. Now, in our new feature this season, we are, and we do like to, criticise and score and rate our opposition's celebrity fan base. This has been a bit hit and miss as this feature this this season, this feature, sorry, this season. Um, 
but before <laughs> I think Dave's gone rogue again. Um, before we look at look at what plays he has put in there, um, Adam Rich, off the top of your head, did you know any celebrity Luton fans? Because I certainly the only one I knew because obviously we I mentioned about Stephen Finn for my cricketing days was Monty Panesar, who was yeah great cricketer for England when I was yeah. kind of in my teenage years. So I do like Monty. He's on the list. That, yeah, he's on the oh, list. Oh, he is on the list. Other than that, no, I, I don't. I don't know any more Luton. No. Not not ones that spring to mind. Adam, did you did you know any before we? Uh, no, I've, I've no, idea, no idea. Well, no. let's let's have a look at this list that that Dave has uh, compiled, and it's uh, yeah, you, we're going to see some corkers in there. Dave's been creative again with his list, which we know and love him for. Uh, number one, Alistair Cook, cricketer and former England captain. Rich, I thought you would have got that one. I've um, never heard Alistair Cook supporting Luton well, uh, in my yeah. time watching I, cricket. He'll have said something somewhere and Dave's picked up on it. Monte, right. as you've obviously already said, comes in at number two. Although apparently he has some Arsenal tendencies as well, so who we knows there. Um, coming in at number three, Keris Matthews, a singer with Catatonia. Four, Faye Carruthers, who's a sports broadcaster. At number five, Emily Attack, an actress, comedian and TV personality. Now, apparently this fifth one, she said, if I had to support a team, I'd say Luton because I was born in Luton. And she apparently said that on Soccer AM. And that's sufficient for Dave to say that she is a celebrity Watford fan. Um, as we're struggling to find details of any more notable Hatters fans, uh, Dave's also included a former chairman, who's Nick Owen, who's probably more famous for being a TV presenter than a Luton fan. Um, based on that, Adam, Rich, do you want to give us the known and ever score, please, of how you rate Luton celebrity fans on a scale of one to ten? Adam? Five for me. Five just for, for you. the uh, sportsman. Rich? Three. Free rubbish. Oh wow, rubbish indeed. Well, I'm going. This is this makes my job nice and easy. I'm going to moderate that slap bang in the middle and give Luton fans a four. Luton, I'm sorry, you are currently. I think you might actually be bottom of the in the relegation zone for the known and ever celebrity um, fan base. So apologies for that, but we think your list is not the greatest. But anyway. Moving on, um, let's head back to the uh, previous preview show studio because Dave Statman Roberts is going to give us his memory match. The 823 Burnley fans who travelled to Kenilworth Road for the match which took place on 5th of November 2005 won't forget their visit in a hurry. Steve Cottrell was in charge of the Clarets and former Rover striker Mike Newell was in the Luton town hot seat. Burnley took the lead after 15 minutes, when John Spicer set up Adiakin Bay to finish with a well-taken shot past former Burnley goalkeeper Marlon Beresford. And the same partnership produced the second goal, as Spicer once again provided the assist, and Adiakin Bay finished with another powerful shot to make it 2-0. But then in the 38th minute, Brian Jensen came rushing out of his box and handled the ball, and was shown a straight red card. There was no goalkeeper on the bench, so midfielder John Spicer was given the gloves. Following a series of corners for the home side, Steve Howard found a way past standing keeper Spicer to pull one back just before the half-time break, and at that stage it looked like it'd be extremely difficult for the Clarets to hold on for a win. But less than ten minutes into the second half, Leon Barnett fouled Akinbay in the box and the Burnley striker stepped up to put away the spot kick to complete his hat-trick and restore a two-goal advantage. On the hour, 
The home side pulled another goal back, with Warren Feeney managing to force the ball in following another corner. But the home side were unable to breach the Burnley defence in the last half hour, and the Clarets held on for an unlikely but very memorable 3-2 away win. After the match, Burnley manager Steve Cottrell said, I've been lucky enough to have a few big wins as a manager. I've been part of teams that have won at big stadiums. But that is the best win I've ever had, bearing in mind the circumstances. To come and win at Luton would have been difficult anyway, and it got a lot more difficult after the sending off. We don't have an opposition view for you this week. Um, Luton fans were shy in coming forward and giving us some content this week, I'm afraid. So we're going to leave you instead before we head to our pre-match discussion with some details of our referee. The referee for the week is going to be Jeremy Simpson of Carnforth, and he's going to be taking charge of just his second Burnley match on Saturday afternoon. The only other time he refereed us was earlier this season for our 2-1 win over Reading at Turf Moor at the end of October. There were no red cards in that match, but there were seven bookings, three to Burnley and four for the visitors. So far this season, he has sent four players off in the 19 matches he's taken charge of, and he's also amassed a total of 85 bookings, an average of just under 4.5 per match. So, gentlemen, that is details of our referee. We've rated our celebrity fans, but we do, of course, need to look forward to the game itself. We need to see how we think our mighty Clarets are going to perform away at Luton. Rich, I'm going to hand over to you first because you've been looking at Luton's form recently, and I think it's a team that a lot of people are expecting to put up a good fight against the Clarets. Um, How does that feeling stack up with their form and who they've been playing? Yeah, I just want to say what a fantastically well-run club, though, Luton are, if there are. I know we didn't get an opposition view. You know, you talk about clubs punching above the weight, you know, mm. like you talk about Brentford, the Bournemouth, so obviously, especially Brentford, but like Luton come from the National League and are really competing at the top of the championship on no budget whatsoever. So, yeah, yeah just fair play to Luton. And, you know, like, like I said, it will be a tough game. And obviously when you've got like teams who are up there, you know, you do look and I think there was a spell where Luton were actually third. But like, and people go, oh, yeah, Luton's been in form. Last two, they've drew both of them. Drew one all to Preston last night. And, you know, Preston had 10 men for pretty much the whole of the second half. Drew with Coventry, it's obviously a tough game. I think Coventry's a decent side. Um, and then the three wins before that were against kind of Stoke, Cardiff and Wigan. And of course, you've, you've got to beat what's in front of you, but probably three of the worst sides in the league at the mm. moment. It was when Wigan had Colo Torre and we were absolutely dreadful, obviously. Wigan's picked up now, in case any of my, my mates are listening to not, which they probably won't be, but to give him a disservice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a tough game at Kenilworth Road. I thought they'd give us a tough game at the turf where he scored an early goal. But obviously, I think that was his first home game of the season, actually, because I'd just come home from my honeymoon from Mexico, literally landed in the airport and went straight to the game. After oh, yeah, sleep. it was. But, <laughs> uh, when, you, when you look back, but we're obviously a different team now. Yeah, I'm expecting a tough game. I don't want to give give Luton a disservice by discrediting the football that they will play. But I know that they, you know, that they probably will be physical. And they've got Carlton Morris up front, who they signed from Barnsley last summer, who's obviously right at the top of the goal scoring charts, who he'll be a threat. Um yeah, and they've just got some generally good, you know, good players in in the side. Uh, Freeman's technically quite good. Um another striker like Adebayo or Adebagio who's very, very physical up front, who's another good player. Um and I think that's going to be an interesting one. Do we go with Alda Keel, um, who is more of a centre half? Or do we 
maybe play a little bit safer and go with Taylor, knowing it might be a physical mm. battle away from home. But like, listen, I think when Taylor plays, he isn't great on the ball for what we do, but he's solid. He's solid defensively. So I'm really, like, like I mentioned before when we was doing the analysis, new ground for me. I've heard it. It's not the most aesthetically pleasing, pleasing grounds, but I've 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 been to these Lego stadiums. You know, your your Brighton's, your Bolton's, your Huddersfield's, your DWs. You know, so looking forward to going to a little bit of a throwback of a ground, and yeah, should be it should be a good one. Yeah, definitely. Um, Adam, from your perspective, um, do you expect an immediate reaction from the Clarets? Do you think they will, or do you think this this I guess slight tiredness and this slight off form? Mind spelling to a couple of games. How are you feeling? Yeah, I, think, I, don't, I don't think you can call it really off form or any and take many negatives out of Tuesday. We were a bit off it, but we still had seventy percent possession in the game. Had all the major chances in the game, and we just had a bit of an off night in the final third. I don't think company dwell. He didn't dwell on the Sheffield United defeat where we got battered. Nope. Um, no. And look at what mind. happened after that. Yeah, I think we can. We can. We've got the late goal. Uh, you just move on with in a positive manner, and um, just on Luton as well. I think I agree with everything Rich said. Um, obviously, the running of the club probably wasn't as good when they had all them points deductions and got thrown out of the league, basically. But since then, they've made a brilliant recovery, and and you see a lot of teams disappear into the abyss after they've done that. So to get back to where they have done is yeah, absolute credit to them. Uh, I think I always associate them with being really good at home and probably get the most of the points at home. But I looked at the home record and they've, um, they're have they actually better away from home this season. They've oh, won five, good. drawn seven, lost three at home. And they've won eight games away. So that, that surprised me when I looked at that. Um, and like Rich said, I think it'll be a difficult game. They set up 3-4-3, which will probably be more like a 5-3-2. Two big, strong lads up front. Um, and I didn't realise they got... Um, Looking at the team, they've got Nakamba from Villa. Um, oh, really? Field. And like, yeah, we've got really good players and individuals don't make a team. There's great individuals throughout the championship who have barely had a kick against us. That is Myla Asar on Tuesday's been linked with all sorts of moves for massive money. And he, he I barely noticed him on uh, on Tuesday. But yeah, they've, they'll be a tough test. Um, Rob Edwards, obviously, were in charge of Watford when they did beat us. So he'll probably have. Some ideas of what what they need what they need to do. He were there at Turf more on Tuesday. Um, saw him in the sitting sitting in the director's seats next to where I sit. Um, so yeah, I'm sure they'll have done the homework and they'll try and take advantage of uh, of what weak weaknesses we do have. But like I said, I, I'm, still yeah, I'm still confident. <laughs> yeah, not many. Yeah, the positive result. Good. Um, Rich, one last word from you before we we look ahead um, at some more stats. I guess the only possible question mark in terms of team selection is whether we bring Jack Cork back in. Yeah, I think personally Cork plays. Um, I won't say we necessarily miss Cork, but like he just he does bring that you know solidity again away from all a bit of physicality. Felt I thought Gunmanson's played perfectly well the last two games. You know, he's all he picks up that position basically when Gunmanson plays his jobs to get a bit of free space to touch and get it to Zaruri. Yeah. How wide and he's done that well. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, and I think Gunmanson would struggle to play three games in a week, obviously with his fitness. So maybe this was forecasted by company as well. You know, he looked forward and I think mm. companies definitely does that. And I think Cart now will, 
yeah, you know, just, yeah, I just, we all know what Cork brings to the team, don't we? And, um, yeah, I think, I personally think he'll come back in. I, I do think Aldakiel starts, but don't be surprised if Taylor plays as well. Okay, I like it. Quick score prediction for me both then, please, Richie, first. I think we're going to win 1-0. I think we'll be 0-0 at half-time. And like Adam said, I think they'll play that like, like more of a back five. And I think over the game, we'll wear them down. And I think we'll score in the last 20, 25 minutes and win 1-0. 1-0. Uh, Adam, for you? 2-0 for me. But yeah, probably probably second half goals. Ooh, OK. What's Bromers Bankers going to be this week? I think your Bromers Bankers for Luton away is going to be... 2-0 to the Clarets. Um, please do, if you're going to have a, a flutter on this, please do gamble responsibly and use free bets where you can because I very rarely get these right. Um, just before we head over then to um, Adam for Fantasy Premier League update, we have got uh, Statman Dave's miscellaneous stat of the week, which he sent us in this week because he's not recorded it in the previous show studio. So I'm going to read that out for you. And it is as follows. In what has already been a record-breaking season for the Clarets, it's impossible to ignore Burnley's incredible run of form at Fortress Turf Moor. As well as a couple of cup wins over Crawley and Ipswich, Vincent Company's Clarets have won 12 and drawn five of the 17 league matches to date, maintaining that run with another late goal by Michael Obafemi against Watford on Tuesday. We still have another six home league games left to play, and if we remain unbeaten, then we would match the feat of three previous campaigns, although all these three actually involved fewer matches. In, nine, in 1897 to 1898, Burnley won 14 and drew one of their 15 home league matches. In the 1901 season, they won 15 and drew two of their 17 home league games. And in 1912-11-12, they won 14 and drew five of their 19 home league matches. The club record for most home wins in a league season is 17, which has been achieved twice in 1920-21 and also in 1990-1991. But we will have to pull out all of the stops to win our last six remaining league matches at Turf Moor if we want to beat that particular record. There we are. That's it for your Watford, no, not Watford, Luton preview. Too many London clubs in one short spell. Your Luton preview as the Clarets look to rack up another three points, another away victory and another step closer to Premier League. Adam, hit me up with some fantasy Premier League. What's 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 occurring in the old FPL League, please? What's What's been going on? Yeah, well, we had uh, double game week 23 last week. Uh, with Man City and Arsenal both doubling. And not surprisingly, there's uh, quite a few City players in that team of the week. Uh, lined up in a 3-5-2 formation, you've got David De Gea in goal, who kept a clean sheet and made loads of saves as they beat Leeds 2-0 at Ellen Road. Uh, also from United, uh, Luke Shaw uh, got an assist as well in that game and all three bonus points. United quite lucky to keep a clean sheet, but um, Shaw owners won't mind that. And then two... Players who probably won't be in many teams, also in the back three. Emerson from West Ham got a goal and two bonus points in their one-all draw against Chelsea. And James Tompkins with a goal and one bonus point in Crystal Palace's 1-1 draw with Brighton. Into the midfield, five midfielders, four of them from Man City. Um, KDB with 15 points, Mares 14, Grealish 12, uh, sorry, Grealish 13, Rodri 12, 
um, all getting goals, assists and bonus points in their 3-1 victories against Aston Villa and Arsenal. Uh, Saka was the one shining light for Arsenal who got across two games against Brentford and City, got a goal, an assist and three bonus points, even though Arsenal failed to win both games. Uh, and then up front uh, is Ian Acho, who I, I advised people not to buy last week after in the team of the week. Uh, got a goal, an assist and three bonus points in the first of what I called a tough fixture against Spurs and they won 4-1. And then Erling Haaland, uh, same as every week in this team of the week with a goal and an assist in those two games. Although he didn't take the penalty quite interestingly against Aston Villa. Uh, Ten points over the two games though, uh, still not bad. Um, do you want a rundown of the no-name ever top ten? I certainly do. Please, Adam, hit us. It's closing up at the top now. So there's Ooh. only 27 points between the top 10 players. Um, so in 10th place is Rob Watson uh, with 1,488 points. Ninth, Paul Mabry with 1,490 points. Eighth is my mate from Tom and Dan Main with 1,491 points. Seventh, Alice Flanagan, 1492. Sixth, yours truly, 1496. Fifth, Matthew Blackburn, 1498. And then there's four players that have broken the 1500 mark. Daniel Shepard, 1502. Tom Deenian, 1507. Also on 1507, Alex Maxwell. And still leading the way at the top. Um, been there a good month or so now, Brad Banks. And um, just a quick mention that uh, Richard Steele, uh, on with us tonight, moved up in the league this week and moved into second in the Known and Ever Podcasters League and 68th overall. You're having a good year, Rich, are you? Yeah, not too bad. I've took it a little bit more seriously this year because we've me and my mates have um, got a bit of money on it and my one mate wins and I thought, I'm going to challenge it and I'm, I've clawed back a 100-point lead over the uh, deficit over the last few and I'm three points behind him now and I'm still convinced because he forgot to change Harlan captain which is really unlike him I don't think Gundogan touched that ball which aggrieves me a little bit I'm not sure I'd like to really watch it back but I feel I'm, I get closer to you Adam and yeah last week last weekend you really had a good weekend and I was average so you've kind of pulled away from me a little bit there yeah, nice got... to have some competition and at uh, the top of the podcasters league anyway. Well, that's it. It was getting a bit boring me being up there by myself the whole time. <laughs> first place, I'm like, come on, is anybody going to challenge me this year to these to these crowns? No, that's that's good stuff. And um, anything else for us, Adam? Or is that is that? Uh, yeah, just just pick? quickly. There's uh, there's plenty of um, blanks and doubles coming up. So game week 25, United, Man United, Newcastle, Brentford, and Brighton blank. As um, and they've also mean, double game week, so they don't have a game because Manchester United and Newcastle are playing in the oh. league final, so they've got no fixture in that week. So yeah, get get those out now because you've only got two game weeks to do it, and then in, it. in the same week, Arsenal, Liverpool, Wolves, and Everton all have a double game week. So if you're taking out players from the teams that blank, I'd replace them, or it'd be wise to replace them with those teams. There's also some more doubles and blanks coming up. Um, and I'd, I'd just say to follow a guy called Ben Krellin on Twitter, who gives some really good advice on how to navigate the blanks and when they're coming up. Um, so, yeah, just that, that's my major advice for that. It's, it's the easiest. He provides great information. Um, and then the ne- the last thing is just the deadline this Saturday at 11am. Lovely. 
Thank you very much, Adam. That is fantastic as awful. As, as awful as always. <laughs> I'm totally keeping that in. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell Matt that there's a that there's a, a blooper there that we need to take it out. As awful as always. I mean as amazing as always. I'm sorry. Um thanks. <laughs> thanks, Adam. Well, we're gonna leave you in this week's episode with not a quiz. Statman Dave has thrown us another curveball and he's decided this week he's not going to set you a predict a, a, a quiz question. What he wants to do is get a prediction from you all. Burnley have done the double over three teams so far this season, Coventry, Norwich and Swansea, the three cities. There's still a chance of the double over another 10 teams, being uh, our friends down the road of Blackburn, Bristol City, Huddersfield, Middlesbrough, Millwall, QPR, Reading, Rotherham, Sunderland and Wigan. What Dave wants you to do is to predict how many from those last remaining 10 games Burnley will achieve in terms of doing a double. How many six-pointers will we get? He's going to keep hold of the answers and he is going to reveal who was closest, who got it straight um, on at the end of our last show of the season. So there you go. You're on a mission this week, listeners. Um, that is all we have time for this week. My thanks as ever go to everybody who has contributed to making this episode. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Known and Ever podcast and football show brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Until next time. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett, and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill, and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. Our thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are, as ever, proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.